Let's see what the stew has for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the Gatorful Eric Bontz, the egalitarian Eric Heimel, and the fantastical Fabrice Bulakia. Today we have myself along with Tomas, and we are going to do away with our opening get to know a gnome question because this episode is all about getting to know Tomas, our newest gnome. Now, Tomas, yep. you are our first gnome not from North America. Can you tell us about where you're from? Okay, uh, so, well, uh, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Tomas, as uh, you just said. I am from Argentina. It's a country, if you live in the US, I'm from the other part of the world, the, the southern <laughs> part from America. Uh, not America, the US, but the whole continent of America. And my country, Argentina, is a pretty wide territory that is pretty well known for its uh, landscapes and territory. At some time in the past, uh, we used to be the, the world's barn because we exported the vegetables, the fruits, the meat, everything uh, came from here, but that uh, stopped uh, after a while. The country is also known for the Iwasu waterfalls. Uh, that is one of the, or was, I can't recall, one of the seven wonders of the world. Also, we are also known for some very great food in here that we say it's from us, but uh, the countries around us, like Uruguay, Paraguay, Chile, say it's from their territory. We are in sewer, so uh, I'm going to eat some. Uh, dulce de leche, asado that is some kind of meat that is amazing and you have to try out. We also are great at doing ice cream. Uh, like <laughs> uh, It's amazing. Yeah, Argentina's big it's it's not a small country yeah it's not as big as the u.s but uh it's still pretty big isn't doing so well economically speaking but apart from that it's a really nice country to come and see now the 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 native language in argentina is spanish it's spanish that's right yeah uh, yeah yeah because i always I always get a little confused because I know Brazil does Portuguese, yeah. but most everyone else does Spanish, and I'm like, I, I don't want to, you know, like, I don't want to get confused there. No, you know, yeah. Uh, from Latin America, you have uh, Brazil that speaks Portuguese, and the Guyana, France, uh, the French Guyana, I don't know if you uh, say it differently, uh, is from France, but all the rest from uh, South America and Central America speaks uh, Spanish. Now, why don't you tell us what your gamer origin story is? How did you start playing role-playing games? Well, I've got to thank my cousins for that because they were the ones who introduced me to computer games. Everything went up from there. Uh, <laughs> I started with computer games. Uh, then uh, my parents uh, bought me the NES, or as we call it here, the family console. Then uh, that was when I was still a child. And I started with RPGs much later. I think when I was 21 years old, because it was on January 2017 um, that I started playing uh, regularly RPGs. But how I was introduced was by a friend of mine that came and went to GM uh, some D&D. And the game didn't last long because he didn't have, a, he had some expectations about the game that he didn't get to meet 
and mm-hmm. uh, to be honest, uh, he didn't DM that well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah, and that's why um, one year later, uh, after Stranger Things came out, a friend of mine came to me and said that he was uh, looking at D and D and was uh, thinking of maybe starting a game, but we need a DM, and uh, who could be that DM? And well, uh, that was like uh, he was trying to tell me to DM the game for them, <laughs> <laughs> and so I jumped on the wagon and I started doing it. That's that's kind of funny that that your you know final push into role play, into D and D was Stranger Things, where I'm looking at Stranger Things because I was you know I was a kid in the '80s, so. I actually remember sitting in people's basements playing D&D and like the kids in the sense. show. I'm a kid from the 90s uh, because I was born in, the, in 1995. Uh, so I didn't get to see all the 80s stuff. But uh, <laughs> it was really uh, Stranger Things that really introduced me to D&D, I think. Mm-hmm. So as far as I know, it is for a lot of other people. Uh, so that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's great to have more people on D and D wagon. Did you have um, uh, did you have much trouble like making that transition to running games without having a whole lot of experience playing them? Uh, it's it's weird because uh, my first game I sucked at it. Uh, I did <laughs> terrible, but my friends liked it on nonetheless, and I liked it as well. So uh, we kept trying, and after doing. Terrible mistakes in the game, like having the Warlock uh, play all uh, three subclasses at the time on one <laughs> same character and doing a ton of damage. Uh, yeah, and the, the language difference also was something to meddle with because we didn't have the rules in Spanish. Uh, we had mm-hmm. to translate them. Yeah, uh, before before we recorded, you mentioned that uh, like a lot of a lot of gaming happens kind of with this weird mixture of English and Spanish yeah, in Argentina. We, we call it Spanglish uh, for that very <laughs> reason uh, because uh, we do have terms for like grapple in Spanish, like agarrar, but we nonetheless use the English terms because it's much easier to to use them and mm-hmm. use the rules uh, to search them. There are also uh, character sheets in Spanish and other options but we just uh, got used to playing in English, so we do it that way. Now, do most uh, do most of your players have um, at least some English? Uh, yes, I am the one that has the better uh, level of English, but uh, nonetheless, they all speak uh, very fluently. Even though we don't need to, because we play in Spanish, we just use the English terms uh, for the different abilities and conditions, maybe. That would be funny. I'd, I'd probably be sitting there like, oh, I, I got that word. I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much that. Uh, so, you know, you've mentioned, I, you've mentioned D&D. Uh, what style of game do you like to play? Well, as far as uh, styles of play, I just became an, an engineer. So I, am, I wouldn't say I'm very good with numbers, but I'm used to uh, using numbers in my life and being very structured. And my friends are as well, so we are we do play a very crunchy style of game, rules heavy. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, we like uh, great uh, scenes of combat. We have uh, done some kind of war-like games in D and D 
even though the game isn't uh, re ready and uh, designed to do that. We had some crazy combats uh, with uh, orcs that were uh, from the the army from Asmodeus and things like that going on. <laughs> so like actual big battles instead of just little team combats against a yeah, single monster. That's how it started. But as time went on, I started discovering uh, more RPGs. And as I did that, I started to understand that I actually preferred rules light games. Mm -hmm. But my friends still prefer uh, crunchy games. So we still play D&D as we used to play. And sometime I'll get them to play uh, for a while some other game. Someday. <laughs> <laughs> Have you started trying to like uh, like slip in some of the rules light uh, style or philosophy into your game and like just have them not notice? Well, I did because uh, as I started writing for Tribology, I started to try out some different games. And to do that, I needed to play the game. Mm -hmm. I have to thank my players for at least trying uh, those games out uh, with me to make a, a review or some comparison with other games. And as we did that, we managed to understand that there were many rules to steal from other games and import into D&D, mm -hmm. like uh, the clock system from Blood in the Dark. I haven't played that game yet, but I, I'm looking forward to do that and steal that mechanic because it sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of the, the way like the gumshoe system hands out oh, clues right. and mysteries. You know, that one's just like, that just goes into all the games I run now. You yeah, know, it doesn't matter the system. It's like this is how we're going to handle clues from here on out. Well, I got to uh, play uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, the adventure, and uh -huh. I did it in a very detective-like and mystery kind of way. So I used a lot of Gamshu and uh, uh -huh. also used the Alexandrian Remits to pick some sort of new stuff to add into the game. If you are playing uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist, take a look at that because it's amazing. Yeah, I actually ran Dragon Heist for my uh for my crew and you know, it's it's a good adventure, but there's still some parts in there where I'm like, have you actually like did the writers ever actually play with real players cuz there's some sections that are just don't don't play well as written, so you have to kind of adapt some of it, especially depending upon how your group interacts with things. Yeah, there's a lot of from that book. Uh, so I was reading it. I started uh, reading one of the chapters with one of the villains, like Manchun, and then I read uh, Charlatzel and Sanatar, and I wanted to have them all in my game. And the <laughs> Castle Hunters. So hey, this just that. I ported them all into my game, and uh, the adventure just went from one side to the other. It had <laughs> fireballs uh, going through. Uh, Manchun killed one of the characters at one point, so they seek revenge and ended up killing him. Uh, with the uh, uh, black stuff, so yeah, I'm not spoiling anything, by the way, because this was all made up by me. <laughs> I, I, um, uh, just for our audience's sake, what the adventure presents is like it presents you with four different ultimate bad guys, and it's very easy to just introduce all four of them or their factions into the game anyway. My players actually met Jarlaxle, even though he wasn't the ultimate bad guy, but half of my players were convinced he was the bad guy. 
Oh, I love to play Charlotte. I, I picked some sort of French accent for him that I loved <laughs> making. And my players loved it as well. So I had some shenanigans going on with him. That's awesome. Now you mentioned um, that you, you started writing for Tribality a while ago. Uh, what made you start wanting to write about games? Well, I didn't want to start writing about games. Uh, it was just something that uh, I had some free time. I uh, studied English in high school and I started to lose it as I went. I started going on college and never mm-hmm. getting to practice it. So I just thought that I could uh, use this thing I like, D&D, and started writing, writing about it. So I got myself a, a blog and wrote some stuff and promoted it on Reddit. Until uh, Sean Ellsworth, the the one that uh, is managing Triviality, uh, saw my stuff and just uh, told me to come in and start writing for them, and that's where it all began. That's awesome, because um, like you've been working on a pretty cool series of articles for us. Uh, that's kind of a mashup of monsters. Can you tell us tell us about the inspiration for that series and kind of where you're going with it? Well, I think that what started me to write and care about writing monsters uh, was uh, when I first wrote my Demogorgons from Stranger Things. Uh, I did a stat block for them, for Rivality, for Halloween, mm-hmm. I think, on 2018, maybe. We can we can put a link in the show notes. Yeah. I wrote uh, some different variations because as the show went on, they did start adding new types of Demogorgons, like the Demodogs. And yeah. things like that that are very different from the Demogorgon from D&D, but nonetheless, they have the same name. <laughs> I just wanted to pick those monsters and make stat blocks for them. I liked it so much that um, Sean grabbed me and got me hooked on starting writing about Seas of Odari and Under the Seas of Odari monsters for them. These two are books that I did from for Rebellity that you should check out because they are amazing. And I did about half the monsters from those books. Well, Under the Seas of Odari isn't out yet. It just uh, got a successful Kickstarter, and it's coming soon. Very cool. Again, we'll get it in the show notes. Okay. Uh, well, from up there, I just uh, started writing monthly encounters and uh, different ways to run monsters. And just from that, uh, I started getting hooked on writing how two different monsters could have something in common and why they should be working together or as enemies. That's how uh, the inspiration for this series came out. Yeah, because you, uh, the, the, the article that you, you've... There will pro- I believe there's a second article that, on this, this monster combo that will be published soon, probably around the time be- before this podcast is out. But the one you've published as of our recording is the, uh, the Fire Giant Lovecraftian Ghasts combo. Mm-hmm. What was what was your what were you going for with that one? Well, to be honest, uh, and I am going to recommend doing this to a lot of DMs. I just grabbed the monster manual and picked one page. I got the fire giant, and I said, "I'm going to write about this fire giant." <laughs> I started thinking, um, "Well, what other monster can I pick?" Uh, I grabbed the the gold from uh, Call of Cthulhu because I wanted to meet in both games, and even though goals are in D and D. The ones mm-hmm. from Call of Cthulhu are very different from them because they can jump like kangaroos, and that's terrifying. And that's how the idea came to being. 
I just mixed up the two of them and started thinking of ways on how they, the two of them could work together. And that's how the Valkyrie uh, fire giant came to be. That's very cool. What other types of articles can the audience look forward to from you? I'm looking forward to writing all sorts of different articles. I was thinking about writing articles about game design, maybe, because that's a passion of me. Mm -hmm. I have also written uh, for my guest article some rules to apply to D&D that yep. were a, like a different sort of inventory to use in your game, inspired by the Diablo 2 video game. Yeah, like a little mini game for how to handle inventory. Mm -hmm. That has some mixing with uh, Tetris. So if you like that, check that out as well. And well, I'm looking forward to writing some sort of articles like those maybe more about monsters as well and as well as how to run monsters and how to create your own ones awesome and, yep awesome more like that uh is there anything else you want to you want to share with our audience because i think we've we've covered all of the questions i originally came up with well if you like all about uh, game designing preferably level design because that's the thing that i am more passionate about you can check out my stuff uh, and go into my Twitter and I write about all sorts of things going from uh, Marvel superheroes to uh, nerdy stuff, video games, RPGs. I'm trying to play more RPGs and started a, a gaming group a while ago to try out more different games to recommend. Awesome. So yeah, if you like all those sorts of stuff, uh, come follow me on Twitter and we can chat. And and we'll get him to put more of that stuff in the articles on the stew too. So. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to writing that. So I think we've covered most of the stuff. So let's get into our outro. This show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by the Nomadic Author Creator. Need some new gnomes to add fresh new content to the blog? We'll just use our Nomadic Author Creator. Toss in a bunch of gamers and out will pop a fresh, ready-to-write author, results not guaranteed. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Panda's Talking Games. Phil and Senda answer your questions about RPGs from the perspective of one-shots and campaigns, with some panda silliness. If you listen to it, you will love it. Or so the rumors say. You can find all of us at GnomeStew.com, at GnomeStew on Twitter, and GnomeStew on Facebook. Tomas, where else can we find you on the internet? Well, you can find me uh, primarily on Twitter at T Jimenez R G M. I'm going to spell it out uh, just in case. T G I M E N E C R G M. We have a very long history with people having to spell out their Twitter handles. <laughs> just ask Senda. Yeah, it's <laughs> a Spanish name, so I just uh, just in case. <laughs> and and we'll have links in the show notes too. So yeah. you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram as orikes13, O-R-I-K-E-S-13. Though, as always, Twitter is pretty much dead for me right now, and Instagram is mostly pictures of cats. But there you go. So I'm, I'm going to make the call that, that we avoided the stew this week because you're new and we still need more articles out of you. Mm -hmm. that well, thank you? you for that. <laughs> <laughs> as soon uh, as long as I keep out from the two, I'm going to keep writing. So please keep me away from. <laughs> Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs.
Now it's recording.